A fascinating sicha that's going to address a question that Rashi ignores. Ask us why does Rashi ignore such a glaring, obvious question? A question that many other Mefarshim address and going to show us how by learning other Rashi's, it turns out that this is not even a question in the first place. And it's so simple that you almost wonder why you thought it was a question in the first place. So we're going to go slowly through this because we're, 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 the question is going to build and build and build almost until the last ice, and then everything is going to become answered. So let's begin. And we're going to begin with a klal, which is one of the klalei rashi, one of the rules in rashi, that Rashi addresses anything that he believes to be a question. Even if he does not know the answer to it, he'll say, But if he doesn't say anything, it means that it's not a question. And that's the foundation of this sikha. It has been spoken many times. The Farish called The Rashi's way is to try to explain everything that becomes difficult or not understood in the basic understanding of the Pasuk. Those things that seem to need an explanation. In the simple understanding of things, the Ain Rashi Mefarshim and Rashi does not address them and explain them. Hareze Gufa Hechacha that itself is the proof. Shaladaitus Rashi Mavanim Hibapashtos that according to Rashi, these things, these questions are understood simply. Viad Kedekach Shein Tzedek Lefarshim so much so that there's no need to explain them. Either they're so simple that they're not even a question in the first place. Or else, by looking in a different Rashi and seeing what, some, what Rashi explained in a different place, this will answer the question that seemed to have been uh, here. Based on this, we have to understand a very great question, which arises when learning the simple understanding of the Psukim in this parsha, The and a number of the commentators of Chumash address the question. And Rashi, who is the chief commentator, the one who, who is the most important in a way of all of the those who give Pshat on Chumash, does not comment on this at all. And the question, this glaring, obvious question that all of the other Mepharshim talk about, and Rashi does not talk about it, is Yesef certainly knew the intensity of his father's love towards him. So he obviously understood the great pain and mourning that his father was experiencing over his loss. Why does Yasef not let Yaakov know that he's alive? <clears throat> In order three, he mentioned, uh, you know, he says, Some of them first address this. So very quickly, just to see the various different pirushim, even though they're not pshutishal mikra, the Ramban says, that Yosef didn't tell his father because he wanted to. He needed to see the dreams to be fulfilled. He knew that Abishar wants. So he made a dream. There must be the fulfillment of the dream. So he had to wait it out. The Bali Atoisvus say that if, if he was afraid, it would cause Yosef, cause Yaakov more pain to know that his brothers, his children, sold their brother. Another reason in the Bali Atoisvus is that he was afraid that his brothers would run away out of fear of Yaakov, and the Yaakov would be left with no one. The Akedah says something very interesting. He says that Yosef uh, saw this, the, the, the years of hunger, the years of famine coming, and he figured, let him cement, let him strengthen his position to be able to help either the Mitzrayim or to help his own family uh, uh, when the time comes. 
So he wanted, before he, he wanted to uh, go back to Yaakov and tell him uh, what was going on, he wanted to first strengthen his position as viceroy of Mitzrayim. In the Rechaim, he says he didn't want to embarrass his brothers. Chazal tells us it's better to throw, jump into a fire than to embarrass another person. He, he knew going to Yaakov, Yaakov would be discovered what the, what the Shvatim did, and that would embarrass them. Now, clearly these are not Pshut Mikra, and each of them, have their, uh, each of them has a question um, which is not our place to ask at this time. But I just wanted to give you a, 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 a glimpse into some of the other Mepharshim and how they address this question and how uh, uh, primary this question is to, to the Mepharshim. But as we see in the Sikha, Rashi does not address this question at all. Why are we asking it in Parshas Miketz? Not in Parshas Vayeshev when, when Yeshev gets sold. So he says, This question applies primarily to the time period of our Parsha. Parsha's Miketz. Because the Parsha's Vayeshev Mesuper Shedi was Yeshev the Mitzrayim Machru Levet. Yeshev was brought down to Mitzrayim and he was sold as a slave. And then he was placed in jail. So obviously he did not have an opportunity to send a message to his father. But in the time period, being discussed in our parsha, when Yosef became Mishnah Lamelach the second in command, and had the permission to do whatever he wants, any movement is not understood. Why would he leave his father suffering and mourning? and did not inform him via the various different caravans that were traveling to the land of Canaan or to send a special messenger as he mentions in the five that the, that the traveling distance between Mitzrayim and Hebron was four or five days not a big deal in those days so he could have either sent it through the caravan or sent a special messenger to tell Yaakov Shehuchai V'yichai es nefesh aviv and this would revive the soul of his father. So this is this simple but glaring question why does Yasef not inform his father that he is alive? Oh. Now, <clears throat> this is not really the first time that this issue comes up, not by Yosef per se, but why Yaakov remained in the dark all of these years. So in Parshas Vayeshev, Rashi addresses this, why Yaakov could not know. So, in Eiz Beis he starts, L'cheira yav sheleimar, the question, why didn't Yosef tell his father, would be answered by a Rashi in Parshas Vayeshev. Over there Rashi says, Why did Yaakov have to mourn his son for so many days, so many years? 22 years. So he says, He says it was 22 years. From when Yosef was separated from his father until Yaakov went down to Mitzrayim was 22 years. As he says that it says Yosef was ben Shvaya he was seventeen years when he went down to Mitzrayim, and then it was only twenty-two years later that Yosef was thirty years when he went in front of in front of in front of Paray. Then there was seven years of Sava and two years of hunger. So it's, he's about forty years old or thirty-nine years old when he's when Yosef when Yaakov comes down seven years of Sava and two years of Rav. So it was a total of 22 years from when Yosef left till Yaakov is reunited with Yosef. And Rashi says, this is Kineged Chav Beishana, Shalekiyim Yaakov Kibudav Ein. This is Kineged, the 22 years that Yaakov was separated from his father and could not perform the mitzvah of Kibudav Ein. Yaakov was 20 years by Lavan and it took him two years to get back or almost two years to get back, that 22 years, so because Yaakov was separated from Yitzchak for 22 years, therefore Yosef had to be separated from Yaakov for 22 years.
And based on this Rashi, we could apply the same thing to Yosef. Therefore, Yosef could not tell his father that he's alive before 22 years would pass. Because Yaakov's punishment had to be 22 years. The 22 years that he didn't fulfill the mitzvah of Kibbut Avaim. And therefore, Yosef couldn't say anything. But of course, Rebbe is going to say over here that for three reasons, this explanation does not work. Even if it's true that the, that the separation of Yankif from Yosef for 22 years was a consequence of his separation from his father Yitzchak for 22 years, that does not explain or excuse the conduct of Yosef. Key for the following three reasons, Aleph. How does Yosef even know this? How does Yosef know that Yaakov needs a punishment for 22 years and therefore he has to wait before he can tell his father that he's alive? And even if you're going to tell me that Yosef that, that, that did know how the Aleph he could have left him a message, sent him a message that he's alive, without telling him where he is, where, where he's living, and wait 22 years. And then Yaakov would be punished by the separation from Yosef for his separation from his father. And in the other 32, which is not here, but it's later on in the Sikh, he actually addresses that maybe knowing he's alive and not knowing where he lives is not enough of a punishment. But the punishment should be midah keneged midah. So just like Yaakov was away from his father, although he knew his father was alive, but he was away from his father and didn't do kibbutz aim, and therefore Yosef had to be away from Yaakov. But it was okay, seemingly, that Yaakov should know that Yosef is alive. So why couldn't Yosef send a message that he's alive? Gimel ve'ikir. Here's the third and most important of the questions. This idea that Yaakov had to be separated from Yosef for 22 years does not explain Yosef's conduct. Even if it was decreed upon Yaakov to have a punishment for these 22 years, this still doesn't give the permission to Yosef to punish his father. There are times that a person, there are things that are decreed upon a person that doesn't give another person the right to impose those punishments on that person. Just because it was decreed upon Yaakov of a punishment does not give Yosef the right to uh, enact that punishment. The Dugmulazeh, for example, There's no way to say that the Shvatim were allowed to, or, 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 some, or even more so obligated, to sell Yosef in order for his dreams to be fulfilled and Yaakov's punishment to be fulfilled. If Yaakov's punishment has to be fulfilled, the only way for his punishment to be fulfilled is for Yosef to be sent away. So maybe it's a mitzvah for the brothers to sell Yosef so that Yosef should be separated from his father for all these years. Clearly that's not true. The brothers were never allowed to sell Yosef. Certainly they weren't obligated to sell Yosef. So too, Yosef is not obligated or Yosef is not even allowed to allow his father to be punished. Even if it was nigzer alav ben Hashemayim, even though it was decreed on Yaakov from heaven, does not give Yosef the right to enact that punishment. So we're back to our original question, why does Yosef not inform his father that he is alive and minimize his father's pain and his father's suffering? So to answer this question in Eiz Gimel, we're going to address why the Eibishter, why Hashem and Yitzchak don't tell Yaakov what happened to Yosef. That's the Gimel.
To understand this, we have to first preface that which Rashi talks about in Parshas Vayeshev Adir Shembir, which there too, we have to understand that Rashi as well. Rashi says, is talking about Atam, Why does Hashem not reveal to Yaakov that Yeshev is alive? Rashi says, Pirish Rashi, the Shvatim made a Cherem, a ban, an excommunication, the Kidalu, and they accursed as called Mishi Yegala. Anybody that would reveal the details to ya- the, the story to, ya- to Yaakov Avinu. And then they included the Yevishter in the Cherem, and therefore Hashem could not say anything because he was included in the Cherem that was made by the Shvatim. Mamshech then Rashi continues. Yitzchak knew. So first off, before I say that, I just want to point out that what does it mean that that they included Hashem in the Cherem? That's going to be part of the discussion of the Sicha. What does it mean that they included Hashem in the Cherem? Avol Yitzchak Yehudei Shochai. Yitzchak knew he was alive. Omar, however, he said, How could I reveal to Yaakov? Where Yosef is, when Hashem himself does not want to reveal to Yaakov where Yitzchak is, where Yosef is. And again, we have to, we're gonna, as we're going to see in a moment, we have to understand what does it mean that Yitzchak uh, uh, doesn't want to reveal it because Hashem doesn't want to reveal it. If Hashem is part of the Chedim, what does it mean Hashem does not want to reveal it? And that's what we're going to talk about now. Tzadok We're going to look at this Rashi. If you, if you saw this Rashi inside, or if you're looking in the source sheets, or you're following from here, we're about to dissect this Rashi. The Tzadok we have to understand. Mi nitfes v'al mi Who was included, and upon whom does it apply, this cheirem and this klala? You can't say that anybody in the world was included. The Cherem applies to any person living in the world that would reveal to Yaakov what happened to Yosef. Because if it meant everyone, then it's not understood. Rashi later says that Yitzchak knew where Yaakov, where Yosef was, but he says, how could I reveal it if Hashem doesn't want to reveal it? That those words don't make sense. Because if the Cherem would have included everybody, it would include Yitzchak. So Yitzchak should say, I'm in, I'm in the Cherem. Rashi doesn't say that Yitzchak was in the Cherem. He says Yitzchak didn't reveal because Hashem is not revealing. Which is a proof that the, the Cherem didn't include everybody. Base. Another proof that, that the Cherem does not include everybody. Why do they have to include Hashem specifically with them in their Cherem? If the Cherem includes everybody, it automatically includes the Abishter also. Why do they have to specifically include Hashem into their Cherem? It must be that the Cherem does not automatically include anybody in the whole world. The Cherem was applicable only to those who participated in the Cherem. When it says that they made a Cherem on anybody who would reveal, the intent of those words is to all those people who were present at that moment and participated in the Cherem. And that's why they had to include Hashem, to say Hashem, we mean you as well. It's because it was the ten brothers together, and they were the ones who were making the Cherem for themselves, and they had to explicitly include Hashem with them, because otherwise Hashem would not have been included. So the first thing we understand from this Rashi, is that when it says in Rashi, it means specifically the Shvatim who were present at that moment, at that event. Based on this, if they only included the, those who were there, and then they were specifically included, the Abish there with them. 
and the Chedim is now Chal, Chedim is now applicable to Hashem as well, we're going to have to understand a number of questions. Aleph, number one, the Shedim Shadashi, the Lashon of Rashi, the wording of Rashi is, Aval Yitzchak, Oma Yitzchak, knew that Yitzchak was alive. And he said, how can I reveal to Yosef, to Yaakov, the Yosef is alive? Because the Abishta does not want to reveal it to him. Why is he saying that it's Hashem wants or doesn't want? Hashem was included in the Chedim and therefore he was sworn not to reveal. He was forced not to reveal. Kavayachum. Umikan. And based on this comes the second question. Lama nimna Yitzchak melegalis liyakiv mitamsha kashvaruchinim megalale. Why does Yitzchak refrain from revealing to Yaakov because Hashem is not revealing to Yaakov? Hadakashvaruchu kivyachal liyevsuni megalis. Hashem can't because he was kibikivushashit for yisavachinim because they included him in the chinim. Avul einzim neyaklalis Yitzchak megalis liyakiv kiyari loyoyim eshutuf bachinim. This does not. Cause ya- this does not stop Yitzchak from revealing. Yitzchak was not included in the Chedim. Question one is, why does Rashi say Hashem doesn't want if Hashem cannot? And question number two is, since Hashem cannot, Hashem is forced by the Chedim, but Yitzchak is not forced by the Chedim. So it still doesn't explain why Yitzchak doesn't reveal to Yaakov that Yisav is alive. Gimel, Chedim Zalama. Who needs a chedim in the first place? Chedim is an excommunication. It's a very severe uh, a move. It means the person is not part of, 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 of the kehillah. The person can't be counted for a minion. It's a very serious step to take. Who needs a chedim? Why can they just make a deal? A discussion amongst themselves, an agreement that no one's going to tell. And similarly, with regards to Hashem, you can't make a deal with Hashem, but to dive into Hashem and ask of Him not to reveal. Why do you need a chedim? Dalit, fourth question. We don't find either in Pshutishal Mikra or in Rashi. That the Shvatim released the Chedim before they informed Yaakov that Yosef was alive. If this Chedim was so powerful that none of the brothers are able to do anything to tell Yaakov, then, then how all of a sudden did they go and tell him, Yosef Chai? Oh, okay. So, Let's just summarize quickly. Gimel wanted to suggest wanted to suggest that well, before we suggest, I'm sorry about that. Gimel said that we have to first understand another Rashi. The Rashi that says why the Abishad did not reveal to Yasef that the Yaakov that Yasef was alive because there was a Khadim that was made. So that we clarify that the Chedim included only the Shvatim and the Abishter. And we ask four questions. Number one, why does Ashley say that Abishter doesn't want to be Megala and not that the Abishter was sworn that he can't reveal? Number two, why does that affect Yitzchak? Yitzchak wasn't part of the Chedim. So why can't Yitzchak tell, the ya- Yasef, tell Yaakov where Yasef is? Number three, who needs a Chedim? And number four, when was the Chedim released to allow the Shvatim to talk to Yaakov? In Ais Dalid, we're going to discuss whether the Abishter was actually forced by the Khairim. Yes, Mefarshim. There are certain Mefarshim that explain Kavanas Rashi al that explain the, Medish, the Rashi according to the Medrash and Chumah, which is Makar of Pidish Rashi. The Makar of this Rashi, that the Shvatim made a Chedim, comes from the Tanchumah. So they learn in the Rashi the way they learn in the Tanchumah, in the following way. In the Yisasham, the Medrash and Chumah says like this, They said, let us make a Chedim amongst us. 
that none of us will tell Yaakov Avinu our father. So Yehuda says, Reuven is not here. Reuven was going, either he was going to do tshuva for the fact that he got involved in the sleeping arrangements of his father and his mother, or another pshat is that it was his turn to take care of Yaakov Avinu. Either way, Reuven was not present, and that's why they, were, they, they sold Yosef without, without Reuven being there. So Yehuda says, Reuven is not here. And we need to have ten people to make a cheirim. What are we going to do? Ma'os, what do they do? So they, they joined the Eivishter in into the cheirim. That they shouldn't tell their father. So therefore they made a cheirim and they included the Eivishter as the tenth of the minyan. And once the cheirim was made, also the Abister chose to follow the cheirim. Just to explain in the lashon of the sikhwa, to explain how they understand this medrash. They, part, they joined the Abister in making and applying the cheirim to them, to the nine brothers. They needed a tenth in order for the Cherem to be ratified. But the Abishter wasn't part of the Cherem that he too should not be allowed to tell the Shvatim, to tell Yaakov. And then the Abishter chose in order to not diminish the weight of their cheirim, the Abishter chose to be included in them. Just to explain again what we're saying over here. The cheirim was going to be on the nine people, the nine brothers that were there, meaning to say, the excluding Binyamin, excluding Yasef, and excluding Reuven. The Abishter was being used for a minion on a cheirim that was being applied to the nine brothers. And then the Abishter chose to be part of the Cherem as well, to give extra strength to the Cherem. That's how the Medrash Tanchuma, that's how these Mephoshim explain the Medrash Tanchuma, and that's how they explain, that's how they understand Medrash Tanchuma, and that's how they explain Rashi, that according to Rashi, the Abister was not included in the Cherem, he was just used as part of the minion, and then the Abister chose to follow the Cherem for himself as well. Now we understand why they had Mechal included Hashem, why they have to include Hashem in the first place. They had to do so because they needed a minion. And according to this, it's understood what Rashi says. The words that the Nebuchadnezzar does not want to reveal. The lay muspish of the legalis and Ashton doesn't say that he's been sworn not to reveal. Because the Abishta himself was not included as one of those who were forbidden by the Khairim to reveal. And the Abishta chose not to reveal to Yaakov. And therefore Yitzchak said, if Hashem is choosing not to reveal, then I too should choose not to reveal. What does this understanding help us? At least it will help us understand the Rashi. What does Rashi mean? That Shitfu la Kaddish Baruch What does it mean? And now we know why Yitzchak wasn't Megala. Which was one of some of the questions that we had in Eiz Gimel. In Eiz Gimel we asked, why did Rashi say Nereitzel Legalis? Why did Yitzchak not participate. Why does Yitzchak, why does Yitzchak not reveal to his father, to his son that Yosef is alive if they if he's not part of the Khairim? But according to this understanding uh, uh, of the Mefarshim, at least those two questions are answered. This understanding of the Tanchuma does not work according to the Rebbe in the basic understanding of Rashi. Key. In brackets, besides the fact that Rashi does not explicitly tell us when the Cherem was done to, to say that maybe Reuven wasn't there, 
On the contrary, it makes more sense to say that they waited for Reuven to come back to make the Cherem. And then they were ten, so that the Cherem should apply to him. Rashi should have explained why Reuven doesn't say anything. Just like Rashi has to explain to us why the Avisha says nothing. And just like Rashi has to explain to us why Yishak says nothing, if Reuven is not part of the Khairim, then he should have to tell us why Reuven says nothing. And, and, and if Reuven wasn't there, you can't just include Reuven. Uh, because we said in the beginning of the Sikha that when it says that the Kol Misha Yegala was referring to the people who were present. So if Reuven wasn't there, then he, he wouldn't have been included. And then the question is, why doesn't he tell his father where Yosef is? Since Rashi doesn't address that, obviously, it makes more sense to say that Reuven was part of the Khairim. Especially since there's no clarity on this matter when the Khairim was done. So if we, can't, if, if we don't know for certain, it makes much more sense to say that Yasef, that, that, that Reuven was part of the Khairim, and he was present at the making of the Khairim. But there's a bigger question here. Not in the Psukim and not in Rashi is there any indication whatsoever that you need to have ten for the Khairim. Rashi, where Rashi explains that the Shvatim made a Khairim on anybody who would reveal to Yaakov where Yasef was, Rashi should have explained that the Khairim was Basara. And since Rashi does not address that the Khairim needs to be with ten, Means to say that this idea that they had to be mishat of the Abish because they needed a tenth is not part of Rashi's understanding of the Medrash. Shekavanas Rashi is beshit for the Kazbaruch Imam, Hanushagama Kadisbaruch Kivyachon Nasser Oideza. So we must say that Rashi understands the Medrash, that the Abish was actually included in the prohibition. Against telling Yankiv anything. And our questions are back in full strength. Why does Ashi say in the Legalis? Why does Yitzchak not why is Yitzchak not Megalis since the Abishter is forced, but Yitzchak is not forced? And then our initial question is certainly if we don't know why the why 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 Yitzchak is not revealing because he's not part of the Khairim, and we don't know why Yosef is not revealing because he's not part of the Khairim. Before we, we, we're not yet ready for to get to the answer, we have one more question which has to be addressed in Oishe, and that is how do we even know that the Abishter participated in the Khairim? Mela, a human being, he could say yes, he could say no, we could hear what he, what he answers. But, but the Ebishter, how did we know that he was part of the Khairim? That's the discussion in Oisei. Hinei, okay, so just before we get to Oisei, our initial question was, why does Yosef not tell his father that he is alive? Then, we wanted to explain that it was because of the 22 years. But we said that that does not explain Yasef's conduct. Yasef may have not known. Even if he would have known, it doesn't explain why he didn't say at least that he was alive. And it doesn't even explain why he's not the one to, that, 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 that should be imposing the punishment on, on, on Yaakov. Then we, wanted to, then we brought in another Rashi. We asked a number of questions. Why didn't the Abishter tell? Because the Abishter was part of a Khairim with the Shvatim. Why does Yaakov not tell? Yitzchak not tell? Because Yitzchak said, if Hashem is not telling, why should I tell? But we didn't understand. Why does Rashi say that Hashem doesn't want to reveal? Why, does, why is Yitzchak bound by what the Abishter is doing? Seemingly the Abishter was bound by the, by the Khairim and Yitzchak is not. Who Bechlaun needs a Khairim? And when was the Khairim released? And don't tell me, says, is Dalid that that Yitzchak wasn't really part of the Khairim and he only chose to join the Khairim and therefore the Yitzchak chooses to, to copy the Yitzchak because there's no indication in Pirish Rashi either that, that Hashem was needed for the 10th 
or that, the, that, that according to Pesut Yisrael that we, we don't even know that you need a tenth. So now, let's address the next question. How do we know that the Avistir agrees to the Chayim? another question. Even a human being cannot be included unless he agrees. How did the Shvatim join the Abister into their Chayim without knowing that he agrees? And the Mephoshe bring various different reasons that tell us that the Shvatim knew that the Abishter does not want to reveal to Yaakov, and that's how they knew that the Abishter would agree with them. What are these reasons? So we're going to bring three of them. Aleph. In order to fulfill the promise that the Abishter made to Avram Avinu, by the Bris bin Absarim, that the Yidin, the next generation, the fourth generation will go, that the third generation, or the fourth generation, will go down to Mitzrayim. So, therefore, they, therefore if, 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 the, if Yaakov discovered that Yasef was alive, then he wouldn't have to go down to Mitzrayim. Yesuf, Yesuf could come up, whatever. The, the, the story wouldn't, uh, wouldn't follow the way it did. So obviously, the Abishah wasn't going to say anything because he needed the Ben Absalom to have, He needed the Yaakov to go down to Mitzrayim. Based the second reason brought in the Mepharsh, which was already mentioned earlier. And Rashi brings it as well. The Yaakov has to be punished for the 22 years that he didn't fulfill Kibbutz of Aim. So therefore, Hashem couldn't get involved and say anything because he needed these 22 years to finish. Gimel, Hashem didn't want the Yaakov should curse his own children. And then his offspring will, 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 will cease to exist. And the whole future of Klai Yisrael would not happen. So Hashem couldn't say anything to Yaakov because how did, how did Yisrael end up with Mitzrayim? His brothers sold him. The brothers who sold Yosef, and then they, they, their children wouldn't uh, wouldn't wouldn't uh, carry on. So these, so based on so the, these three explanations, the the Shvatim believed that Yaakov, that the Abister would not tell Yaakov, and the Abister would agree to their to their chayim. Avol. Without even going that each of these questions, each of these explanations carry their own questions, There's the, which doesn't go into the Sikha, they are mentioned in Ara 25 and Ara 30, uh, uh, where, where, why each of these answers are not really a good answer. But besides for that, we cannot you explain that Rashi is relying on these reasons to understand how they knew that the how the Shvatim knew that the Abister would agree to the Khairim. And he's going to explain why in the next paragraph. Just to point out, which is what he's going to say in the next paragraph, but I just want to give a, a few words to introduce it because it's a little wordy, if you will. According to these three reasons, Yasef and Yaakov could not reunite. But to know that Yasef is alive, just not to know where or how he ended up there, none of these three reasons address that. In other words, if Yasef, Yaakov knew that Yasef was alive, but didn't discover until later that he was Mishnah Lamelech and Mitzrayim, he would have still got down to Mitzrayim and the Bilisim bin Absalom would be fulfilled. If Yasef didn't know where Yaakov, where Yaakov if Yaakov didn't know where Yosef was for 22 years, he would still be a punishment on him, like we said earlier, he, he, he separated from his son for 22 years. And if Yosef, Yaakov knew that Yosef was alive, but he didn't know that the brothers are the ones who sold him, then he wouldn't curse his sons. And that's what he's going to say in the next paragraph, that we see that the Chedim wasn't about keeping Yaakov and Yosef away. 
The Chedim was about not Yosef, not Yaakov, not even knowing that Yosef is alive. And these three reasons don't address that. Let's see it inside. Rashi Mam Shechav Yitzchak Yehudeya Shehu Chai. Yitzchak knew that he was alive. How can I reveal to Yaakov if Hashem doesn't want to reveal to Yaakov that he's alive? And why does the Abraham not want to tell Yaakov that Yosef is alive? Mefurish it says clearly, because they made a cherem and they cursed anybody that would reveal to, to Yaakov that Yosef, that Yosef is alive, and they included Hashem in the cherem. Therefore, we must say, the cherem and the kolah apply not just to someone who would reveal the whole story of the sale of Yosef. The, the, the Chedim applies even to someone who would just tell Ye- Yaakov that Yosef is alive. Let's say say Nashi. Yitzchak knew that he was alive and he said the Abish is not revealing that he's alive. How could I reveal that he's alive? Which means the Chedim wasn't just about the story of the sale of Yosef. The Chedim was on even just telling Yaakov that Yosef is alive. The time are now machrichim. Rak only force Hashem to not tell the whole story. That the Yishvatim sold him to a group of Yishmaelim, which later brought him to Mitzrayim, etc. But according to these three reasons, the Abishter could have still told Yaakov that Yosef was alive. And all, and all he has to do is not tell him where he is. What's happening to him? Until 22 years. Then there'll be the years of famine. The will be the second in command. Yaakov will be forced to go down to Mitzrayim. And then all three things will be fulfilled. The Britsman of Sodom will happen. Yaakov will have been punished for 22 years for not fulfilling Kibbutzim. And he would never curse his sons because he would never know that they, that they were the ones who sold them. So therefore, these three reasons only explain to us why Yaakov, why Hashem wouldn't tell, tell Yaakov that Yosef is alive. That, 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 that we wouldn't tell Yaakov the whole story. But it does not explain to us why Hashem could not tell Yaakov that Yosef is alive. Obviously, the Chedim was on the fact that Yosef was alive. And we're back to our question. How do the Shvatim know that Yosef, how do the Shvatim know that the Abishter joined the Chedim? So we end up at this point with a number of questions. Question number one, why does Yasef not reveal to his brothers that, to, what, to reveal to his father that he is alive? Question number two, why does Yitzchak not reveal to Yaakov that Yasef is alive? Why does he feel bound by a chedim if the chedim was applicable to Hashem and not to him? Why do we need a cherem? When was the cherem released? And how did the Shvatim know that the Abishter participated in the cherem? So in other words, over the few things that we brought up along the way, we, we uh, built up the list of questions. Why does Yosef not, not, not say anything? Why does Yitzchak not say anything? Why do we need a cherem? When was the cherem released? And why, how did the Shvatim know that the Abishter actually joined their cherem? In Oizvav, we're going to answer all of these questions with one more question. I know you think we have so many questions. This one question leads us straight to an answer that, that leads us to answer all the questions. Oizvav. Vabir b'chalana. To explain all of the above, Yuvan b'haktim t'miya neisefes will be answered by first introducing one more question. Echad Yankiv Yosef. 
How is it possible that not one of the brothers did not have did not have a hidden tshuva? Did not was not awakened or aroused to do tshuva, confess, tell Yaakov what happened to Yosef, and that Yosef is still alive. That we find in the Pasha that they ultimately did regret what happened. As the Pasha says, The man said, the man said to their brothers, We are at fault, we are guilty for our brothers. We saw the pain of his soul when he begged us, when he pleaded by us. So the brothers ultimately did all regret what happened. So how is it possible that for 22 years, not one of them had a feeling of tshuva and decided to come to Yaakov? That's the question. And that question leads us to our answers. Remember, one of our questions was, who needs a cheirim? This was the purpose of the cheirim. They, they were initially afraid. Right away they were afraid. That when their anger will calm down, some of them will, will regret what they had done. And is going to want to reveal to Yaakov. And this would hurt all the others. And that's why they put in Cheirim. And they cursed anybody who would reveal. Not one of them has the right. Or even some of them, even a group of them, do not have the permission to reveal what happened to Yaakov. It's for sure that if they all that they that they could reveal to Yaakov, then that it would still remain also for everyone together. So that's obvious. But if one of them or some of them chose to not to want to reveal, they made a chedim. That's what would hold them back. Because they knew one of them, two of them, three of them are going to say, come on, come on. It's too much already. Let's tell Yaakov. She said, no. We're making a chedim. And the chedim tells you that nobody could reveal anything to Yaakov until the chedim is lifted. Aval adayin, yes, chashash. There's still a concern. She'echad mehem erubam. That one or some, even most of them, that one of them or some of them will come and force the other ones that everyone else should agree. The Grashi says in the beginning of the, the section uh, after, uh, the section of Yehuda and Tamar where it says that, Yehuda, that, that Yehuda went down uh, um, um, to, to, to Timnasa so Rashi says that they, that they separated this parsha, that they, that they stopped with this parsha because, yeah, because Yehuda lost his credibility by his brothers. Why? Because his brothers said, Yehuda is the one who said, hey, let's take him out of the pit and sell him to the traveling merchants. They, his brothers said, had you said not to sell him, not at all, to save his life, he would have listened to you. And because of that, Yehuda lost his status by the brothers. So we see that there was a possibility that the brothers would regret what they had done. And, and even if they beyond regretting, they would try to convince the others that we should go tell Yaakov. This is why they included the Ebister and the Cherem. Hainu shachlotas hadovar im umasa yigalu liyakov the decision, if and when, to reveal to Yaakov depends on Hashem. 
Even all of them together do not have the right to transgress the Chayrim. Unless they agree, unless they have the agreement of the Ebishter. Clearly, it does not mean that the Ebishter was included in the Chayrim and he's forced by the Chayrim to not reveal. Like we said in say we don't know that the Ebishter agreed. So to force the Ebishter to join the Chayrim, we can't do. So in this, we're agreeing with the understanding of the, of the, Mefar, of the Mefarshim in the Medrash that the Ebishter was not part of the Chayrim. It's just for a different reason. The Eib, here we're saying that we can't include the Ebishter in the Chayrim because we don't know if we agreed. What does it actually mean when he said they say Shitfula because Baruch Hu the Shvatim included Hashem in the Chayim? It means that they said that we are not going to reveal to anybody what happened to Yaakov at least what happened until the Avishter calls the shots, until the Avishter lets them know that it's time to reveal to Yaakov. Now, which Ashi says, and the reason the Abishter didn't reveal it is because the Abishter was joined into the Chayrim. Hakavana, what Ashi means to say, is Mikivan, Shem Shitfula Kadesh Baruchu. Shem Leyagal Yaakov Liaskamase. Since they included Hashem and they said that they will not reveal to Yaakov without the, the agreement of Hashem. Vitsirufe and the Abishter's participation, Lachin, therefore, Ime Yeshev Echayrim, Shasu Leyaskavna Shaykaz Baruchu, Asher Legalis Liaskamasam, even though they did not intend that the Abishter should be prohibited to reveal. Without their agreement, and they first forget. They were saying we're not going to agree, uh, reveal without Hashem's agreement. They weren't saying that they, they that they weren't that Hashem can't agree, can't reveal without their agreement. But nevertheless, the Avishter chose, so to speak, to join in with them. That to undo the chedim. And reveal the information to Yaakov. Yehadavke b'shituf kulam should be with the participation of everybody. Hakadosh Baruch Hu v'ashvatim yachad both Hashem and the shvatim altogether. So we have to before we continue going, we have to just understand that the, the entire understanding of Rashi, the Rashi in Vayeshev about this chedim, is entirely un, understood differently. That the shvatim made a chedim. <coughs> The reason they made a chayim was because they knew that one of them or some of them are going to regret and they're going to want to admit to Yosef what happened, to Yaakov what happened. So therefore they made a chayim. Even the chayim they didn't trust themselves. They thought to themselves, one guy is going to come and he's going to try to convince us and we're going to be convinced and it's not going to be the right time for whatever reason. And therefore they said, you know what, we have to include the Abishar into this. That only once the Abishar decides that it's time for Yaakov to know only then will we, will we release the Chayrim. And then the Abishter chooses that he too will not reveal to Yaakov unless he has the agreement of the Shvatim. Now we understand what Ashi says, that the reason that the Abishter didn't say, didn't, say, didn't say anything to Yaakov is because he was included in the Chayrim. But he said, how could I reveal if the Abishter doesn't want to reveal? We were asked earlier, why does he doesn't want to reveal seemingly he was part of the Chayrim? So we just explained that the fact that the Abishter is not revealing is by the Abishter's choice and he was not sworn in by the Chayrim. The reason that Hashem did not reveal to Yaakov the information was not because he was forced by the Chayim that Shvatim made, because Hashem chose. He didn't want to reveal to Yaakov. He chose to participate in the Chayim and to wait until there is an agreement of all involved parties. To, to talk to Yaakov. And therefore Yitzchak learned from that. If the Abishter says, I don't want to reveal it right now, then how should I, Yitzchak, go and reveal it? 
Now, peace, then move in time, come time, so Yosef. So now we've answered the question. The question, how did that, they know that Abister agreed to the Chedim? They didn't. And that's not how they realized that wasn't part of the Chedim. They only were relying on the Abister to tell them when to release the Chedim. And we know why they made a Chedim. And we know why he says, because it was the Abish's choice to not reveal. And, and we've been working backwards. Now let's go back to our original, original question. Why does Yasef not tell his father that he is alive? Now we know the reason of Yasef as well. Since Yasef knew that the Abish does not want to reveal to Yaakov yet, that Yosef is alive. This is a, a proof, a lesson, that Yaakov does not need to know that Yosef is alive. So Yosef says the same thing. He's literally quoting the same words as Yitzchak. And he's saying that which is why Rashi doesn't have to say anything here, because Rashi already in Vayeshev said that there were others who knew and chose not to reveal because they were following in the Abish's footsteps. So there's no need to address it anymore. Yeshev does the same thing as Yitzchak does, which is to, who is doing the same thing as what the Abish does. Which question remains unanswered? We've answered the question why Yasef doesn't tell Yaakov, tell Yaakov because Yasef was following in Yitzchak's footsteps. Which means he was following in the Abishter's footsteps. What does it mean that the Abishter participated in the, participated in the Chedim? It means that the Abishter was going to decide and tell them when the Chedim was to be released. That's why it says that in Yerach the Galas because it's his choice to join the Chedim. And we know why Yitzchak didn't reveal because the Abishter didn't reveal. Which question was not yet answered? When was the Chedim released? That question was not yet answered. And that's what he's going to talk about in Isaiah. We have to still understand. According to this Chedim, it was also for the Shvatim to notify Yaakov Yisuf is alive. And even though Yosef was not part of the Chedim, but how does he tell them to tell Yaakov he's alive? For 22 years, Yosef wasn't revealing because the Abishter wasn't revealing. Just like Yitzchak wasn't revealing because the Abishter wasn't revealing. Then why all of a sudden now are they able to go and reveal? Also, this will be understood from Rashi, another Rashi that wasn't yet introduced. In our parsha, the pasuk says that Yaakov saw that there is shever, there's grain to be gotten in Mitzrayim. So Rashi asks the question: What did Yaakov see? He heard. What does he see? Rashi explains: What did he mean that he saw? Yaakov saw in a holy lens or a holy mirror. That he has hope in Mitzrayim. In other words, according to this understanding of Rashi, Rashi Yaakov saw that there was something in Mitzrayim waiting for him. It wasn't a clear Yosef that he should know that it's Yosef. This is all what Rashi says. But he saw that there's a reason to go down to Mitzrayim. There's hope in Mitzrayim. There's something that's drawing him, pulling him to Mitzrayim. However, the Shvatim Shayodosh Yosef of Mitzrayim, the Shvatim knew that Yosef was in Mitzrayim, that Yosef was in Mitzrayim, move on Shayivinu, Shayiyazubas, Baklari, Shalkadesh, they knew right away that this vision that Yaakov was having in the holiness, in the holy lens. I knew what is really happening here. Shemaydiya, Kadesh Baruch Hu, Shemaschil Azman, Shayachkir Uvi Yavakshu, Yosef, Yagidu Liyakov. From the fact that Yaakov began to see something in his vision, from this the Shvatim derived that it has become the time that they should search for, ya- for Yosef and find him and inform Yaakov that Yosef is alive. And therefore in Pastor Gimel, when it says they went down to Mitzrayim, it says, Vayedu Yosef. And Rashi explains, so they regretted his selling him. 
made up in their heart that they're going to treat him in a brotherly way and to ransom him. Any money, any price that they will be given. In other words, all of a sudden they go down, they're going to find Yosef, they're going to release him, they're going to ransom him, they're going to pay whatever price. And they call him Achei Yosef, not Bnei Yaakov. Because now that they saw this message, that Yaakov was seeing Yeshev and Mitzrayim, there's hope Mitzrayim, this was Hashem's message to them that it's time to bring Yosef, to bring Yosef and Yaakov together. And the same thing is with Yosef's message to Yaakov. When he saw that after 22 years they're trying to find him, he understood that there's something deeper going on here. Since he didn't know for certain that the time had come, that if he would inform the Yaakov Avinu before the Shvatim themselves confessed to Yaakov, this would affect the relationship between Yaakov and the Shvatim. Yosef did not send a quick messenger and right away to Yaakov that he's alive. Well, rather, he told the Shvatim, I am Yosef, your brother. They made the Chedim, they knew that when the Abishta wants, that now it's that time to reveal to Yaakov that he was alive. And therefore, they went and they told Yaakov, So now, all of our questions are answered by bringing these few Rashi's together. And if you get, someone was to ask you, why didn't Yosef tell, tell Yaakov that he's alive? Say, so what do you mean? Not you already said. They, they, there was a Chedim. The Abishter joined the Chedim. Because the Abishter joined the Chedim, Yitzchak joined the Chedim. Obviously, Yosef joined the Chedim as well. And only once Yaakov received the message, Shvatim understood that there was time had come to reveal it. And they went to find Yosef. Ye- Ye- Yosef saw the Shvatim looking for me, understood that it was time to reveal himself. And then, so he revealed himself, and they gave the Shvatim the opportunity to go back to Yaakov and say, Eid Yosef Chai.